What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The NFL draft is now officially open. This is draft season. My name is John Schmelk, joined by Tony Pauline, talking NFL draft prospects with you. It's all brought to you by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York football Giants. Just remember, this is not a Giants podcast, folks, despite the background and my little uh, quarter zip here. This is an NFL draft podcast. We talk everything NFL draft uh, with no focus on any particular team, just trying to get everybody ready to go with the NFL draft now, Tony. Oh, boy, we're getting there. Only about four months away. And, of course, we have uh, Shrine Bowl and Senior Bowl coming in January. We have the Combine coming in February. It, it should be a lot of fun as you move forward here. As things start to pick up in this draft class, and what it's going to look like sort of solidifies a little bit. As Andy Williams once aptly sang, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? I, I mean, bowl season is great. You, you can sit back uh, while you're, you're enjoying your holiday, whatever holiday you may celebrate. And there'll be four college games on your TV from noon till 11, 12 o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, we're coming to the end of the NFL season. You got the college football playoffs coming this weekend. Uh and it is the most, and then we go into, like you said, the shrine, the senior, and everything else. Like Andy Williams said, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It is. Things are happening. There's a lot of football to watch. Let's get into it, Tony. Big show today. We're going to talk about a few more early entrants into the draft, underclassmen that have made their declarations. More will come after some of these bowl games in the college football playoffs, obviously. Then we'll go through some of these bowl games, and we'll talk about some of the prospects Tony has his eye on as we head into this NFL draft process. And 2023, boy, it goes fast. So early entrance here, Tony. A couple guys that we didn't touch on on last week's show that had already declared, but let's get to them now. Let's start with Anthony Richardson. This is a player that we've talked about a lot on the show over the course of the year. The quarterback from Florida. Um, big year. Good runner. Flashed in passing ability. Still very raw. Uh, but he's going to roll the dice here and hope a team decides to take a chance on him in the first round. For me, this feels like a guy. And again, maybe I'll be proven wrong again. An NFL team will just bet on the traits and pick them really early. But this feels like a end of first round the team wants the fifth year option on the quarterback so they're gonna try to sneak him in around pick like 29 or 30 and try to get him for five years to develop him it could happen i think it's insane if that happens <laughs> i mean the fact is 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 he that much better than malik willis who went through the process who played at the senior bowl last year who looked really good I mean, you could say maybe he's got more upside than Malik Willis, who went in the third round. But but I don't think as far as being a passer, 
being a quarterback. I think Malik Willis is much further ahead than Anthony Richardson. Wow. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't take him in the first three rounds, Anthony Richardson. I think he needs that much work. Could it happen? Well, Tim Tebow went in the first round. So, yes, it could in fact happen that he goes in round one. Uh, I'm going to be very surprised if he's selected in the top 40 picks. Maybe a team in the top of round one takes him. If you draft Anthony Richardson, you have to sit him in 2023. You can't play oh, yeah. I mean, because all he does is flash. You, you look at his completion percentage. I mean, the Florida State game, what, he complete a third of his throws? I, I mean, that that's disastrous. This is, in my opinion, this is a case where the guy definitely should not have entered the draft. But as you said, he's going to roll the dice. We'll have to wait and see what happens. And the bigger problem with him, Tony, is that he's not even going to have an opportunity at any of these games, whether it's the Senior Bowl or Shrine Bowl, to have teams fall in love with him. And, you know, pro days for quarterbacks, in my opinion, are generally a waste of time. As long as they're not terrible, you know, teams are going to be, oh, he's got a good arm. Ooh, who cares? And, and, you know, then, and then the combine, same deal. We know he's got great traits. So he's not really going to have an opportunity here to show teams that he's really progressing as a passer. It wasn't pro day wasn't a waste of time for Zach Wilson, right? But well, I, you know what though, maybe it was. <laughs> you're right. Well, it was a waste for the Jets, maybe. Right. But, I mean, you know, I can absolutely see Richardson going and blowing up the combine and wowing everyone with tremendous passes down the field with speed and accuracy in shorts and a t-shirt, uh, and everybody falling in love with him. That's part of the problem, though. Right. No, hundred percent. I'm with you. All right, let's go to another guy that. I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like the preseason opinion of this player was really high, and maybe some of the luster is coming off a little bit. Penny Sewell's younger brother, Noah Sewell, the linebacker, Tony. What happened to him this year? Yeah, well, actually, we talked about this in one of the earlier shows. Now, let's first go through his process as I reported as as per, ter, per entering the draft. I was told the big holdup was, did Noah Sewell... Was he going to be satisfied knowing that if he entered the draft, he was not going to be a first round pick? And it was, you know, if he was hung up on being a first round pick, he was going to have to go back. Obviously, he has decided that he's fine with being a day two pick. Now, I talked to a lot of people out there in Oregon about Sewell. And what they said was it was more a schematic type of thing. It was more a system thing where he wasn't just asked to run to the ball and make the tackle. It was more gap assignment, setting the edge, that sort of thing, which really cut down on his stats. And he didn't have the massive season that everyone expected him to have. It was a different system where he was asked, you know, to be more disciplined rather than just run to the ball. I think the thing about Sewell is, I'm going to be very interested to see what his testing times are at the combine or pro day, the 40 time, the shuttle time, the three cone time, uh, the, the three cone time. He sort of reminds me of a Manti Teo type of linebacker on film and that he's not the greatest athlete, but he's got it going on between the ears. He's very instinctive. He's a, he's almost clairvoyant that, and that I think will be a determining factor where he goes in day two. It'll be interesting what teams will do is they will reach out to the Oregon coaching staff to find out why his production will show down. And if the Oregon coaching staff gives teams the same feedback that I heard, it was a schematic thing. He wasn't asked to make a lot of plays on the ball. He was asked gap assignment, setting the edge of those sorts of things. I think he'll be okay. If they just say, well, he had a down year, he's going to fall into day two. Boy, All right, let's day. head over now to Bijan Robinson, Tony, the running back out of Texas, probably in my, you know, thinking about it, 
maybe the best running back prospect to come out since Saquon Barkley. I think you can make that argument. Has a chance to be a top 15 pick. Top 10, we'll see. But this guy checks every box. Size, speed, elusiveness. He is a freak show. Be interesting to see if the Houston Texans, who's got two first-round picks theirs in the Cleveland Browns, with that second pick, you know, in the middle of round one, go with B. John Robinson. Because they wanted Brees Hall last year in, in this past April's draft. Uh, but the Jets traded up to get Brees Hall. Uh, B. John Robinson, you know, is like Brees Hall. He's a first-round prospect who plays a second-round position. But I think B. John Robinson is just so talented in every area. He should go first round. I do believe he's going to go bottom half of round one. I'm speculating uh, with, with the Texans right now because they got two first-round picks. You know, maybe the Bills later on. I I'd be shocked if B. John Robinson is still on the board by the time the first round ends uh, next uh, next April. Yeah, and we'll see. The Texans might be happy with Damian Pierce. He had a heck of a rookie year for correct, them, too. Correct. So, it, yeah, so, yeah, so, I mean, we'll see about that. But, yeah, certainly a, a really solid running back class this year. If you're looking for a running back, I think you'll be able to find one um, on in on day two this year and find some really good players, Tony. All right, let's go to Jordan Addison. Receiver was at Pittsburgh for a long time. Uh, he caught a lot of passes from Kenny Pickett there two years ago. Transferred to USC, was very productive for Caleb Williams. I watched him this week, Tony, and he might be, out of all the receivers I've watched, and I've watched most of the top ones, I just have not watched Quentin Johnson yet out of TCU, he might be my favorite. He seems like a really safe player. You know, he's six foot, he's only 175. I think maybe make teams more comfortable, get that weight up a little bit. Good, You know, he doesn't wow you, but he's really good hands, good route runner. He's yeah. smooth, the just of the ball. There really is no hole in his game. Well, you know, if you're going to compare him to Quentin Johnson, Quentin Johnson's got the physical skills. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's he's probably faster, probably better deep threat. But as far as being a complete receiver, Addison is head and shoulders above him. And most of the other receivers in this class, whether it be Jalen Hyde or anybody else, with his route running, with his ability to separate from defenders, with the consistent hand, with the fundamentals, catching yeah. the ball consistently away from his body with his hands, which is what you want to see. You mentioned the frail body. Had some injuries this year. You know, got to see what the 40 time is because he never really presented himself as a guy that's got the second gear, the guy that's got the home run hitting speed. You know, you, you kind of add that up. It probably means if he's going to go first round, it's going to be in the later part of round one. But he's still a real good sort of plug and play type of receiver who I think can be productive early in his NFL career. Yeah, you know, Tony, you watch him. And my first impression, and I wrote it in my notes, I just wrote good speed, right? But then I, I watched him more, and I'm like, he keeps running away from everybody, and no one ever catches him. So I, I I squeeze a little very good speed into my notes because I feel like the more you watch him, the more you see guys, he separates, and guys don't catch him once he does. He has a quick burst. He, he's yeah. a Rondell Moore type in the sense that he's got that great three- to five-yard burst where he can get that separation. I, I don't think he's going to be a 4-3-2 guy at the combine. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, my guess was that he would be, I think I wrote in my notes, looks like a 4-4-3 guy. Yeah. That, exactly. That's kind of what he looked like to me. And to me, you know, you look at some of the best receivers in the NFL, Tony, they're sometimes in the high five, high four fours. So it's all about separation. It's right. all about it's not about, you know, being able to run a four-two in a straight line. It's about being able to catch the passes on the crossing patterns. It's about you know being able to run a six-yard route and, and quickly get into your route, come out of your route, be prepared, you know, stay low exiting your route, be prepared to catch the ball with your hands away from your friend. He does that all very well. But again, you know, as we've seen time and time again. In the draft, especially early in the draft, you know, they like those physical freaks because NFL coaches think they're going to take a guy like Quentin Johnson, 
who is tall, is fast, is explosive, but doesn't run good routes and occasionally drops some passes. They will teach him to do the things that come come naturally to Jordan Addison. Yeah, if if, if you're a Giant fan and you're watching this, I would circle Jordan Addison on your little sheet there. The Giants will be picking in the low 20s. He might be a guy to keep in mind as you get closer to draft day. All right, Tony, one other um, early entrance here. No, actually, we, actually, we got all four. There was one other piece of college football news I want to get to you on because I haven't watched the Wake Forest much, but their quarterback, Sam Hartman, entered the transfer portal. And uh, some people think he's a really good quarterback, but the system of Wake Forest might scare NFL teams away. So what do you think that process is going to be like for him? And, and what's a good fit for him so maybe he can improve his draft stock next year? Well, the word is he's going to Notre Dame. So I, I don't know if it's, if it's a, a good fit for him or he's just a guy who always want to play you know, play for Notre Dame. I mean, everyone, most guys want to play quarterback at Notre Dame. I think the perfect fit for him would be UCLA. Go out there and play with Chip Kelly. I mean, he's got that sort of mobility. He is an RPO type of quarterback. He's a guy that can create havoc. I think that would be – and. UCLA is going to lose their quarterback to the NFL or, or to graduation this year. I think that would be a natural fit. I think the NILs would be, you know, more, more opportunity there at UCLA. But the word is it's going to be Notre Dame. That could be his preference, uh, you know, playing in that system. Uh, I'd like him more as a quarterback that you, you roll him out of the pocket. You let him move around. He can play from the pocket. He does a good job of it. It's an interesting choice. You know, you got him and then you got Jaden Daniels of LSU who really played better as the season went on and started to basically, you know, meet the expectations of what people had of him as a freshman at Arizona state, he's going back to LSU. So it's interesting to see these guys who in large part, because the NIL opportunities are deciding, well, I'm going to stay in college for another year and either stay where I'm at or transfer someplace else. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's it. going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Tony, I got one Twitter question I want to ask you before we start doing our bowl preview. If a team, I'm going to give you three positions. The fan wants to know what position in this group um, you'd be most likely to find a good player in this year's draft in terms of just strength of position. Guard, cornerback, inside linebacker. Which group do you like best in this year's draft coming up? Um... Are we talking overall or early on? I would say first three rounds. How about that? Yeah, if we're looking first three rounds, let me look at my board here. You got to wait. I mean, I'm told DJ Turner of Michigan's going to enter the draft. Keely Ringo, I'm told, is going to enter the draft. 
Cam Smith has already announced he's entering the draft. So is Joey Porter of Penn State. Chris Abrams Drain, who was expected to enter the draft. The Oregon corner, too, right, Gonzalez? Right. Uh, Gonzalez, oh, correct. We talked about, uh, about Noah Sewell before. He's going to enter the draft. So it's it's really not bad. I'm going to say, uh, I, I mean, Sewell is your top inside linebacker, but he said, I'll go with cornerback right now as far as the uh, if you're looking at the early part uh, of the draft, at least the first three rounds. When I look at my guard board right here, I mean, is Skronsky of Northwestern, is he a guard or is he a tackle? Broderick Jones of Georgia is supposed to enter the draft. I have him on my guard board. It's not a bad guard board, but the thing with the guard board is you, if you want one, you better get him early because it really drops off after the first uh, three or four guys. All right, good stuff, folks. Go If you're a Giant fan, go download, or just any football fan, go download uh, the Giants TV streaming app. You can get it for free on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app, all the best Giants content, including this podcast, by the way. You can watch these two handsome men with the best hair in the business talking NFL draft with you. And uh, hopefully Eric Crocker will eventually come back with us as he continues to have his week-long celebration <laughs> on the West Coast. Uh, and and uh, Eric will be with us when we start the new year in 2023, by the way. Um, I think he's caught traveling today. All right, so Tony, let's get to some of these bowl games and we'll talk about uh, one or two players from each that kind of jump out to you here coming up. It's going to be a busy week with college football. Oregon. North Carolina, we mentioned a couple players already. And then you also have Drake May, who's a quarterback that's not coming out this year, but that's a guy that you can put a big neon yellow highlighter on for the top of the 2024 draft. Yeah, Drake May, who's obviously in high demand. I mean, you know, we, we got two free agencies now. We got free agency in the NFL draft and, and free, agency in college, uh, free agency in the NFL and free agency in college football. And there's all kinds of talk about Drake May and IL deals. Is he transferring here? So, uh, I, I mean, I think North Carolina's kind of lost the luster because Josh Downs entered as uh, announced he's going to enter the draft, probably not going to play in this game. As far as Oregon's concerned, a lot of their top guys are not playing this game. One guy from Oregon to keep an eye on, their center, Alex Forsythe. He's going to be a day three pick, but this is a guy who is smart, fundamentally sound. He's not the greatest athlete in the world. But he makes that or he, he basically is the straw that stirs that Oregon uh, offense. I mean, he does everything so well and he's done it consistently, has some back issues from what I'm told, which is going to push him deep in, into the draft. But Alex Forsyth is one of those guys that could end up as a fifth, sixth round pick. And then if he's healthy, be a 10 year starter in the NFL. He's that good of a player. All right, let's jump to another bowl game here, Tony. Oklahoma, Florida State. Uh, versus the pass rusher for Florida State, not going to play in this game. He's a guy that's probably going to be a first-round pick. What are the players are you keeping an eye on in this contest? I, I mean, Fabian Lovett, the defensive tackle played inside of versus is more is a uh, day three type of pick. Jamie Robinson and Akeem Dent, uh, sort of uh, Robinson's a safety. Akeem Dent is sort of that safety, that hybrid safety linebacker from Florida State. Those are middle-round guys. Uh, and those are primarily, I mean, Oklahoma, the big player there was Anton Ro Anton Harrison, who has already uh, entered the draft. He's out West training. So that kind of takes some of the luster off for Oklahoma. Uh, be interesting to see. I have not heard uh, whether or not Eric Gray is going to play in this game. I know he's entering the draft. He's a senior. 
Eric Gray is a terrific running back. I, I mean, you look at the recent history of uh, running backs that have come out of Oklahoma. They're very productive at the next level. Uh, you know, Gray, if he plays, is a guy to watch. I think he's going to be a real good mid-round selection who's going to be productive on Sunday. And then Marvin Mims, uh, the Oklahoma, the explosive receiver return specialist, is another guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'll throw out one of the player from Oklahoma. You want an old school, like fullback, H-back, tight end type, Braden Willis, who could be a day three pick too, Tone. And though, and that's what Oklahoma has done in the past. They get those types of West Coast fullbacks, if, if you will. When we, when Tom they, Rathman. Yeah, when, <laughs> when, the, when the league used to use West Coast fullbacks, lines up in the backfield, can be used as a blocker, pass catcher out of the backfield. I mean, sort of a Swiss, a Swiss Army knife type of guy at that position. All right, let's jump to Texas and Washington, Tony. You like an edge rusher at, uh, for the Huskies. Yeah, they've got a couple of players, the Washington Huskies. They have a redshirt sophomore by the name of Raylan Trice, who I know is considering the draft. If he enters the draft, draft Trice is probably a day two selection. He's had a monster year. He basically unseated uh, Tupola Fetui, who's been injured, who was outstanding two years ago as a sophomore. Uh, very good chance he could enter the draft. Jackson Kirkland has had a solid year. Remember Jackson Kirkland last year was projected as a mid-round choice, had a bad, bad ankle injury, which kind of sidelined him, something that could have been career-threatening. So he had a pullback from the dra- uh, from entering the draft, underwent surgery, had a solid year uh, in uh, 2022. Wasn't great. Kind of ch- moved positions, moved from tackle to guard. Kirkland, if he is selected, will be a uh, later round choice, more of a utility type of offensive lineman at the next level who can fill in at guard or uh, tackle if the starter is is injured. All right, let's jump over to Maryland, NC State. A uh, little East Coast action here, Tone. Uh, I know left tackle Jalen Duncan is a guy a lot of people like, but, but I also know the opinions on him are kind of all over the place. So give me something on him and the rest of the guys in this game that you're keeping an eye on. Jalen Duncan's a guy who, as a redshirt freshman, has always been on my list as a mid-round choice. He's athletic, he's nimble, he's mobile. He's your zone-blocking type of lineman that can be used at tackle or guard. He's not a real strong guy, and it's always been something that really really never filled out his game. He was someone who get, at times would get pushed around. If you watch the end of that Ohio State game, which was a game uh, where Maryland was basically in it till the very end, Jalen Duncan got beat beat twice badly at the end of that game, which sealed the victory for Ohio State. I'm told that there were some significant off-the-field concerns with Jalen Duncan, so we're going to have to watch that as we go through the process. I think as a player with potential, he's more of your fourth-round type variety at left tackle or guard, but he's got to get stronger, and those off-the-field issues have got to be uh, answered. The thing about... Um, Maryland is they have a bunch of underclassmen who I don't who are entering the draft. They're not, probably not going to be in this game. Deontay Banks, the cornerback, who's going to be a day two pick. Rakeem Jarrett, the receiver, we've talked about him before on this show, is a day three selection. You know, a lot of decent players who probably won't be on the field as far as North Carolina is concerned. They got two linebackers I like. Last show I talked about Peyton Wilson, the linebacker who is a second day player, but has got free agent type of medicals because he's had shoulder injuries. And Isaiah Moore, who is a guy who can play inside, he can play outside. He's not going to wow anybody with his great athleticism, but all he does is make positive plays on the ball. All right, let's jump to Pittsburgh UCLA here, Tony. We talked about the strength of this running back class. One of them is the UCLA running back, Zach Sarbanet. And, and all he does, he's a former Michigan uh, player, transferred to UCLA uh, two years ago. 
And, and he's a guy, you know, if you talk about a feature runner in the classical sense, that's what Charbonnet is. He's a big downhill grinder. He's got good short area quickness. He shows the ability to uh, make defenders miss in, in the uh, in a small area. But he's someone who will not only pick up a lot of yardage off initial contact, he will push the pile. He will carry the pile. And he is someone who really is a beast at the position. Uh, when you look at Pittsburgh, one guy who's not playing is Kalijah Kansi, who may enter the draft. People have talked to, uh, have mentioned him to me as a poor man's Aaron Donald. He's more of a smaller three technique type of guy that makes a lot of plays uh, on the ball. They've got a, a real good pass rusher. The last name is Baldonado, number 87. Very explosive, makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. It'll be interesting to see how he holds up against the run when he goes up against Charbonnet because he's more of a pass rusher than a run defender, Charbonnet is going to really pose a terrific challenge for him. All right, let's go to Notre Dame in South Carolina here, Tony. Uh, Notre Dame is going to be missing some of their guys that are coming out, but there are some players in this game to keep an eye on. Yeah, and so is South Carolina. I mean, the big one being Cam Smith, who uh, entered the, uh, uh, decided he's going to enter the draft. And, and Cam Smith is very likely going to be, you know, a – First, if he's not a first-round pick, he's going to be a top-40 selection. He could be an early first-round selection, depending on how he works out. You know, as far as the rest of the guys from uh, South Carolina, Josh Van, who's a real good receiver, uh, return specialist, it'll be interesting to see Spencer Rattler. I mean, which Spencer Rattler are we going to get? The quarterback from uh, South Carolina who transferred over from Oklahoma. You know, at times he looks like a world beater. Other times he looks like an egg beater. You just don't know what you're going to get <laughs> with, uh, with, with Spencer Rattler. He's got he's got amazing ability. Just a matter of him uh, playing consistently. Notre Dame, Jarrett Patterson has been a stalwart there. He's finally, he's finishing out his college career. He's a guy who could play center or guard. Middle round choice who I think in the power gap sort of system in the NFL could be very productive. And then there's Brandon Joseph, the, uh, the big safety transfer from Northwestern, who is, a, he's got good range. He's an imposing safety. He's an intimidating safety. He makes a lot of plays on the ball. Spencer Rattler better make sure he keeps an eye on number 16 when he puts that ball up in the air. All right, let's go to Tennessee Clemson, Tony. This is one of the, premier games in terms of teams that finished with, you know, really good records, but just outside the college football playoffs. Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of these guys are not going to play in this game. Guys that we talked about early entrance, especially Clemson up front. Um, but we are going to see a couple guys like Tennessee right tackle, Darnell Wright, who's going to the senior bowl. He's going to play in this game and Clemson defensive and KJ Henry is going to play in this game too. And they might be up against each other. Yeah. And I haven't heard anything about Brian Brise. I'm told he's going to enter the draft, but I, you know, unless I'm, I miss something, uh, I haven't heard that he's not going to play. No, nah, me neither. You know, they also have another good defensive tackle by the name of Tyler Davis, who uh smaller guy, but very explosive, more of that three technique lineman, number 13. He makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. You mentioned KJ Henry uh, defend, uh, offensively. Keep an eye on the, the question I was asked before was about guards in the upcoming draft. Keep an eye on Clemson le Clemson's left tackle, Jordan McFadden. Shorter guy, very good, moves well around the field, moves well on his feet. I project him the guard because he's only about six foot three. I think he's a potential day two pick. I, I mean, after Darnell, Darnell Wright for uh, Tennessee kind of falls off uh, the cliff because I don't know if Tillman's playing, Jalen Hyatt's not playing, Hendon Hooker's hurt. Uh, so <laughs> you're right. I, I mean, on paper, back in September, this looked like a great game. Now with everybody on the sidelines, you just don't know. 
Hey, Giant fans, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to go to a game? Well, there's one more home game to go. Giants at Colts on New Year's Day. Go to Giants.com slash tickets to find your game, secure your seat. Limited seats are available and uh, no no ticket fee. Special deal heading in for the new year if, if you're a Giants fan listening to this. Or if you want to go check out a game or you're a Jeff fan, an Eagle fan in the area, you want to go check out some good football, uh, winning your in-game for the Giants coming up this Sunday. Go check it out. All right, Tony, let's keep going down our list here. Iowa, Kentucky, uh, you're getting Iowa linebacker, Buckus Award winner Jack Campbell in this game. We'll see, I, I would like to know from you how he you know, projects to the, to the NFL here. And then Kentucky has some good prospects too. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Campbell's a day two pick. He is a guy who's got scheme versatility. He's got position versatility. You can play him on the outside. You can play him on the inside. He's got size. He's got speed. He's good moving in reverse. You can put him in coverage over a big tight end. Uh, you can use him up the field. I mean, Campbell is at times he's show, he's shown a lot of first round ability, uh, I don't think Iowa had the season that they expected this year. I, I think that Campbell's going to test off the charts. I do believe he's going to go somewhere early in round two. And I think teams are going to fall in love with him because of that scheme versatility, because of that position versatility in the sense that you can line him up in a number of linebacker positions. Iowa, again, has another outstanding tight end in Sam Laporta, who has been a little bit injured. I'm, I'm told he's likely going to play in this game, but but he's one of those down the field pass catchers, you know, a tight end that plays the position like he's a receiver, but he's also a tough guy, gets up in a crowd, come away with a difficult catch, has been very productive. Uh, as far as uh, uh, Kentucky concern, you know, kind of the, the luster was taken off that Will Levis, I don't think he's playing in this game. Uh, he's he's going to enter the draft. It's going to be an interesting story with Will Levis. We talked before about the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl. I think that if Will Levis goes to the Shrine or Senior and has a knockout week, he's going to be a first-round pick. But, you know, as you mentioned in one of the first shows, Will Levis looks one of, like one of those guys who is a big athlete that they said, well, let him play quarterback. He shows some incredible talent at times. And then there were other downs and other situations where you're scratching your head and you're saying, what's going on here? So Levis, Levis like Anthony Richardson, He's more polished than Anthony Richardson, but he still needs a lot of work on his game. Yeah, he's a big guy, right? He's he's six yep. five. He's I think two thirty or two forty. He can run big over people. He's mobile. He's got a big arm, but does he have that it factor as a quarterback playing the position? I think is the question, right? And to me, he doesn't. I I, I mean, you know, he he strikes fear in teams because of his physical abilities, but the consistency isn't there. The consistent pass placement isn't there yet. My guess is that a constant debate we're going to have, Tony, once we get through this process here, is who's going to get taken first, Levers or Stroud? I imagine that's going to be a conversation that we're going to be having a lot of. And I think, like, we had this conversation about Mac Jones a couple of years ago. Yep. Mm -hmm. If Bill Levis goes to the Senior Bowl or even the Shrine game because they're going to be NFL teams coaching the Shrine game and has repractices like Mac Jones did at the senior bowl two years ago, it, you know, it will be conversation, but it won't be an argument because Will Levis can stamp himself as the second quarterback in this draft. It'll be fun to watch. All right. Alabama, Kansas state, Tony sugar bowl, another, you know, really dynamic game. And the good news about this, a lot of these Alabama guys are going to play. We're going to see Bryce young. We're going to see Will Anderson in this game. I know there's a couple of guys from Kansas state you really like, and I don't think let's start here. I don't think we've really talked much about Will Anderson since early in our, in our season here. Uh, and I know you said you, you, you were a little disappointed. He wasn't quite as productive early, 
Where are you on Will Anderson right now? Is he still a top three, top five pick? Where do you think he's going to land? Well, let, let me start. I wasn't disappointed. It's just that he had such an incredible season in 2021. And if you remember, it wasn't just talk about Will Anderson being the first pick of the draft when we entered when the season started in September. It was Will Anderson win, winning the Heisman Trophy or Will Anderson right. being a Heisman Trophy candidate. He had a really good year when you look at the numbers. It just wasn't as dominant as his you know, world record year in 2021. So, but when you look at it, I mean, he's still a big explosive player who can come out of a three-point stance, who can stand over tackle, who can rush the passer, who can change direction and get out to the flanks and make plays in backside pursuit. I, I mean, you look at this Alabama defense, Henry Totoa, DeMar, the, the linebacker, Ryan Branch, the safety, uh, Jordan Battle, the safety. I, I, I mean, it's loaded. And then, of course, you got, you know, Bryce Young on the other side of the ball. And one matchup, you know, we don't talk about Kansas State. Kansas State has a cornerback by the name of Julius Brent. 6'2", 205 pounds, runs in the 4'4s, has all the measurables that teams want in a cornerback in the early part of the draft, early part being the, the, the initial 60 picks. Uh, Brent showed a lot of improvement in his game this year. Entered the season – Graded as a seventh round pick. Now he's a day two pick. Did have his problems in that Big 12 title game. Got beat a couple times. Got called for a pass interference. So keep an eye on, you know, if your team, if you're looking at cornerbacks, keep an eye on number 23 in Kansas State, how he does against Bryce Young. It's going to be a good matchup. And I got to say, I'm very disappointed. You know, I'm used to the Sugar Bowl being the last game on January 1st, although January 1st games are January 2nd. The Sugar Bowl is being played at 12 o'clock Eastern, noon Eastern Standard Time. That's really unusual. Yeah, well, you know, that is strange. Agree 100%. All right, let's jump over Mississippi State and Illinois. And Illinois, Tony, has some players that I know that are uh, making some noise here. Yeah, specifically in, in the secondary. I mean, they've got some terrific players. Going to be interesting who's who's on the field. You know, you start off with uh, Devin Witherspoon, number 31, the corner, who is a feisty, aggressive, confident guy. He's got excellent ball skills. Uh, he's not afraid to, to mix it up in the pile. Deep speed's a concern for with Devin Witherspoon, but he's still going to be a day two pick. Next to him is Sidney Brown, the safety, who's a smaller guy. But he, you want to talk about a guy who is always willing to throw his pads in a pile against the run. In the past, even though he's short in stature, he's an intimidating guy. His brother is the running back, Chase Brown, that's had a record-setting year. Smaller guy, but plays hard, plays tough, and he's also an outstanding pass catcher out of the backfield. And they have a guy who wasn't even graded coming into the season by the name of Jartavius Martin, who's their nickelback, who really, when he's facing the action in a zone-type system, he's got excellent ball skills. When he has to play over the receiver and he's got a, a transition or backpedal, it gets a little bit it gets a little bit crazy for him. It, it's he's not as good in that sort of situation. And against uh, you know, can't, uh, Mississippi State, they're gonna be playing against Will Rogers, the quarterback, uh, who's had a terrific year, who's shown a lot of improvement in his game, who really took well to that Mike Leach system. So that's gonna be a big challenge for those guys. Big opportunity as well. Yeah, let's go to LSE Purdue, Tony. You mentioned uh, Jaden Daniels returning to school. Uh, one player that's interesting to me is Charlie Jones, the Purdue wide receiver, who's had a really good year. 
He was a transfer. He's in his sixth year, so he's an older prospect. But he's been very productive, and he knows how to get behind the defense. Incredible. And he's a, he's a he's a twice transfer. I think he started at Buffalo, then he went to Iowa, then he ended up at Purdue, and he's had a great year. And he was Aiden Campbell's number, Aiden O'Connell's number one target. He was a guy who couldn't uh, couldn't be stopped. Real good receiver. I'm told he's got some medical issues. You got to keep an eye on that. Some issues with his hips. Uh, you know, you go against LSU. They've always got some good guys in their secondary. Mickey Garner, the transfer from Louisiana, who's going to enter the draft, could be a day two pick, more of a middle round choice. Greg Brooks, the safety, gonna it's going to be a good challenge uh, for Jones. If he's playing in this game, I'm not sure he's even playing this game, but if he does, because I know Aiden O'Connell's sitting out the game. A lot of the uh, Purdue guys are sitting out the game. Uh, it'll be a big challenge for uh, Charlie Jones going to get uh, up against that L- talented LSU secondary. All right, let's go to USC Tulane here. Uh, I don't think Caleb Williams is 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 going to play in this game, Tony, with the injury stuff in the last one, but I'm not sure about that. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then they're playing, um, you know, you have a couple of players in this game that I think are really interesting for USC. Yeah, as well as Tulane. I mean, it's great to see Tulane, you know, playing yeah. a game like this. Tulane's got an outstanding running back, Tajay Spears. I, I haven't really put my thumb as to whether or not he's going to enter the draft. He's an explosive guy. He's a terrific perimeter runner who also catches the ball well out of the backfield. I think when you look at Ty J. Spears projecting him to the next level, he's more of a situational third down type back. They got some good guys in the in the in the defense as well. Dorian Williams, a linebacker, Nick Anderson, uh, the linebacker, Larry Brooks, uh, safety, making Clark a safety. These guys are more late round, even Pete priority free agent type guys who will make a roster at the next level as the eighth linebacker or the seventh defensive back. You know, you look at USC, you, you got to start with their, uh, especially on defense, uh, their uh, their defensive lineman, Tuli Tui Piloto, who I'm told is going to enter the draft. There Good job, some, Tony. Thank you, especially for me. <laughs> <laughs> there are some people who think he's going to be a first-round pick uh, because he's a big, explosive pass rusher who can play in a two-gap system. I also like their cornerback, Mecky Blackman, uh, the the transfer from uh, Colorado, who's shown a lot of improvement in his game, project him as a middle round choice. All right, let's go to Utah, Penn State here, Tony. Who jumps out? I know Penn State has the big left tackle that we really like. He's not going to come out, but yeah. I think people are already talking about top five pick for him in you know the twenty twenty four draft. Yeah. Who else in this game gets you excited? Yeah, it, it, interesting in the sense that uh, you know he he bypassed uh, thirty million dollar and guaranteed salary to go back, but I'm told that there were some injury concerns, which is part of the reason why he mm. went back. As far as USC, uh, as far as Penn State's concerned, Penn State always has good safeties. They always put them on the uh, on the field, and they got another one in J- Jair Brown, who is you know uh, very complete, not a great athlete, but goes sideline to sideline, makes plays against the run as well as the pass. P.J. Mustafer, who went back for another senior season, he's an explosive interior defensive tackle. Uh, he's a guy to watch. Utah always has good players. I mean, the guy to watch right now is Clark Phillips, uh, their cornerback, who I'm told is going to enter the draft. Clark Phillips, what is it? Clark, uh, Clark Phillips the third, who, who actually has announced for the draft. Uh, I don't know if he's playing this game. And Dalton Kincaid, the tight end who filled in when their primary uh, uh, uh tight end Brian Queef went down with injury and then Dalton Kincaid's game you know took off Dalton Kincaid was always known as a guy who had size who had speed but just didn't have a lot of production that ended when Queef went down and, and Kincaid became the starter and now Kincaid is really looking at himself as a 
mid-round choice, maybe even a day two pick if he tests as expected before the draft. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to our college playoff preview here, Tony. We'll start with Michigan TCU. Now, we did a lot of the Michigan guys already. If you guys want to go back, I think it's two episodes ago, we did our big Ohio State Michigan episode, and we talked about a lot of these guys on Michigan. But feel free to touch on anyone else from Michigan or reinforce something from that group, Tony, that you want. And then TCU's had a great year. And we kind of did a little thumbnail on Quentin Johnson earlier, but he's a guy that is vying for that top receiver off the board. Yeah, well, the only thing I'll, I'll tell you about Michigan, from what I'm hearing and what I have reported, is that Mazzy Smith, uh, Mike Morris, and DJ Turner, all on the defensive side of the ball, are expected to enter the draft. They've got that terrific center. I'm not even Oluwatimi, uh, who is he's a great football player. I don't know he's a great athlete, but he's a Great football player with a great rating for the position. I think it's going to be a day three pick. One of those interior offensive linemen that turn into that are a sixth or seventh round pick and then go on to be a 10 year starter in the NFL. You know, as far as TCU is concerned, I don't think Max Dugan gets the respect that he deserves, the quarterback. I mean, he was great in that Big 12 championship game. Holy cow, was he un- unbelievable. He's been outstanding all season long when it wasn't even he wasn't even the starter. wasn't even sure he was going to be the starter coming in. He's had a lot of different offensive coordinators there at TCU. He's really taken well to the system there. He's big. He's got an arm. He needs some polish on his game, needs to improve his techniques, but he's had a real good year. And I don't think people are talking about Max Dugan the way they should. We talked about Quentin Johnson. They got a Darius Davis is a terrific uh, downfield receiver for them. Tay Barber, another guy who's also an explosive return specialist. They've got some players in, in the secondary and, and Traverius uh, Hodge Tomlinson, who is a, a shorter corner, but he's got great ball skills and, and he's a feisty run defender who can also play special teams. A lot of underrated talent on that TCU depth chart that people don't talk about. Yeah, I want to dig in on Quentin Johnson before we get to our final game, Tony, real quick. I know you mentioned that he's kind of a take the top off the defense, big size speed guy, right? Where is he lacking? Where does he still need to make some of those um, improvements to be a more well-rounded wide receiver? Route running. He's got a very limited route tree and, you know, he's got to learn that it's not just a straight line game that he can get in and out of routes and, and separate. You know, I don't want to brand him as one of those bigger athletic big 12 receivers that everyone goes gaga over, you know, while they watch them on, on Saturday, but they never pan out on Sunday. Hakeem Butler. Hello, anybody. I don't think I'm not going to brand him that yet, but he's got to improve his right run. He also drops uh, too many passes that should uh, he should hold on to the ball, go slipping through his hands. All right. Keep an eye on that. 
if you're looking for a wide receiver in the draft. All right, Tony, final game here. And then, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do a review of these playoff games and bowl games coming up next week on draft season. Make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, Georgia, Ohio State. And there is no shortage of players that are going to get drafted in this game, Tony. And I, it's funny. I almost feel like Ohio State is the best chance to knock Georgia off. And they're playing them in the first round of this thing. We'll see. Um, but take this any way you want. Uh, what group do you want to dissect first? Well, I mean, we could do a whole show on this game, right? Well, as far as <laughs> is concerned. I mean, you look at Georgia, you look at their defense. I mean, they had, what, four defensive players selected in the first round last year. Yeah. And in Jalen Carter, they're going to have a guy that's going to be a top five pick. I mean, Jalen Carter. He might be the best of the whole group last year and this year. And never mind the fact that, you know, they lost three guys, you know, three of his teammates graduated to the NFL last year. And here he is, you know, how's he going to do? And he just improved. I mean, his game just took off this year. He just dominates everyone. He's big size, speed, quickness, everything. He's got it all. Athletic, can rush the passer, can can stack well against the run. He's going to be a very early pick. He is going to enter the draft. Robert Beal's a good player. Keely Ringo, I know people are absolutely in love with Ringo. I have my concerns. Chris, uh, Chris, when he was on one of the earlier shows, said, yeah, that there were some concerns about his game in the sense that he's, you know, he gives up some uh, receptions that he shouldn't. Yeah, Tony, for so, me, he's like he, he's, he's almost like a tools cornerback, right? People love his size and speed, right. but. And the flashes. Yeah, but the, the, the consistent, and I'll call it production, I just mean consistent play, I don't think is there yet. There were a lot of lapses in this game. Yeah. That is a concern at the cornerback position. I mean, you, you, you've you got to, you know, Ahmad Gardner, there were lapses in this game, but he showed improvement. He showed improvement. I don't see that sort of player in Keely Ringo. They do have an outstanding safety in Chris Smith, who I think is going to be a mid-round choice, going to play at the next level. You go to uh, the offensive side of the ball. Kenny McIntosh was highly rated by scouts coming into the year. At times, Kenny McIntosh looks like a top 60 pick. At other times, you're wondering, where is Kenny McIntosh? You know, he's, he's not in the field. He's not productive. Roderick Jones, their left tackle, I'm told, is going to enter the draft. He's going to be a day two pick. I think the thing with Roderick Jones is, what are his measurables? Are teams happy with his measurables that they, they're going to keep him at left tackle? I have him on my guard board. You go over to Ohio State, and as I said, I believe I said the last show, what I'm told is after this game, you're going to see the floodgates open with Ohio State. <laughs> And their underclassmen, a bunch of their underclassmen are going to enter the draft. C.J. Stroud, Paris Johnson, left tackle, Luke Whipler, the center, Kate Stover, uh, the tight end, all underclassmen going to enter the draft. It, uh, you, you look on the uh, off defensive side of the ball, they've got some terrific players, terrific linebackers and Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. I mean, this game comes down to Ohio State's got to get the ball in the end zone early and often. And when they get in the red zone, they can't settle for field goals because if they settle for field goals, it's going to be another situation like what happened against Michigan, where Georgia will just steamroll over them late in the game. Yeah, a couple things here, Tom, before we say goodbye. I think this is a huge game for C.J. Stroud. I got to yeah. be honest with you. I think you're going up against an, literally an NFL caliber defense that is really coached well, have a lot of good players. And it's not like Ohio State's out, man. They have the talent. So, I don't need CJ Stroud to come out here and go for 375 and four touchdowns, but he can't be like 12 or 30 for 175 and three picks here. He needs to at least be good in this game, I think, to secure that draft stock. When you look at it from a top 60 point of view, Ohio State has more top 60 players 
than Georgia does. It's just Georgia's got Jalen Carter, who, you know, is going to be a very early pick. They got a quarterback in Stetson Bennett that plays over his head, overachieves, and does more than anyone ever expects of him. Uh, and they got a left tackle that's very consistent. So when you're looking at it from a next-level perspective, Ohio State's probably has an edge over Georgia. But Georgia just finds ways to win because they execute and they overachieve and they basically play the way people expect. All right, two other guys in Ohio State I want to touch on real quick. Ohio State usually develops really good running backs, Tony. What do you think of this Ohio State running back group this year? We haven't heard much about them. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and he, and they are not. I think well, those guys are injured, not playing. I don't know that they're even uh, they're even draft eligible. I mean, they look very good. They have a good offensive line in front of them. They look. Neon like, Williams, I think, is draft eligible. Right? Am I wrong about that? I could be wrong. Uh Myron Williams is draft. Neon Williams is draft eligible. I've not heard. I mean, maybe he enters the draft. I've not heard. He's one of the few underclassmen that I've not heard about. I, I, I mean, you know, like you said, we talked about the Oklahoma running backs. Ohio State running backs always do very well. I uh, would like to see them more productive as pass catchers out of the backfield, but that's also C.J. Stroud using them as pass catchers out of the backfield and improving his short passing. All right, on defense, we've talked about a lot about their offense. Zach Harrison and Tommy Eichenberg, give me your little thumbnail on those two guys. Harrison's a guy can stand over tackle, can come out of a three-point stance, real good pass rusher, explosive, not a bad run defender. I mean, he's not a liability against the run. He's shown the ability to hold up, change direction, make plays in, in every area of the field, like him as a middle-round pick. Eichenberg is a guy who's really jumped off the film this year. I mean, he is your – you talk about Ohio State running backs. Well, Ohio State linebackers, you know, have a, have a, a history of being that tough, punch-in-the-mouth type of defender – that's what Eichenberg is if he enters the draft, depending on how he tests and his measurables, maybe late day two. Good stuff, Tone. Anything else you want to throw out there about these bowl games, college football? You got anything before we say goodbye? Uh, it's going to be fun to watch, especially Saturday. Uh, you know, we, we basically said as far as Ohio State and Georgia is concerned, Ohio State's got to score early. I think TCU – uh, you, you want to fit, you want to say that they are outmatched against Michigan? Well, we said that about TCU throughout the season. You know, every time you think TCU is outmatched and, and doesn't is not going to win the game, they find a way to pull it out. So I think both games can be very very interesting. Yeah, I agree. And I, look, I, I think Dugan, he you know he kind of he doesn't feel like an NFL quarterback to me. I think he's going to be kind of one of those really good career backups that can come in and give you a spark, win a few games. But his toughness, he could run it. He, he, I don't know. There's something about him that I think will keep this game against Michigan close. I'm with you. I think it'll be it'll be a fun New Year's Eve uh, before everyone you know drops the drops the ball and you know does some drinking. You can enjoy some good football before you get to that point on uh, on Saturday night. Tony, good stuff, my friend. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Draft Season. It was all brought to you by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Football Giants. And if you're Giant fans, go subscribe to, to the Giants Huddle Podcast as we head into the playoffs here. And we do interviews with Brian Dable, a Giants player every week. We have analysts around the league, all that good stuff. Subscribe to the Giants Huddle Podcast. For Tony Pauline, I'm John Schmelk. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll talk to you in 2023. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. 
Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.